Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody this morning? Yeah. How many of you guys are excited about starting a new series about the new series about the names of God? I am. Uh, I'm excited to teach it. Um, every once in a while, while I'm studying, uh, the Holy Spirit just brings things to life, and I mean, just energizes me through His Word. Uh, it happens most times, but there's those special times. And uh, today, I'm going to teach you uh, what I learned over the past several weeks about the name of God, uh, and and I want to kind of give some uh, some preliminary expectations of today's teaching. But before I do, I just want to remind you, we do have baptisms coming up next Sunday. And uh, and we would love for you uh, to join us, even if you or someone in your family aren't being baptized, just come down and hang out with us. Uh, it's at Henderson State Park, and I believe we're going to do it at four o'clock. And so uh, just come down and join us. Uh, our Nora is getting baptized. Yeah. And, uh, and she told me this morning on the way to church, she said, Dad, what will we do if the Megalodon shows up to my baptism? <laughs> I said, I'll baptize that rascal too. I ain't. <laughs> and, uh, and so she's, uh, she's excited about it. And uh, uh, she asked me the other day, she said, she said, Dad, she said, do you think everybody will know that I love Jesus after I'm baptized? I said, sweetheart, that's the point of baptism. It's a public proclamation of your faith and your love for Jesus. And so she's just excited about that. So if you don't have any other reason to come, just come celebrate with us. Amen. It's going to be a great day. And uh, man, it's a little bit cooler weather. I believe the sun's going to be shining. It's just going to be a great day. So come on out with us and uh, just God's doing amazing things. And if you want to be baptized, you can sign up to the app uh, or you can go to Guest Central and talk to them about it. Today, we are going to be covering the topic of the name of God, uh, which many of you may know, uh, some of you may not, uh, but the name of God uh, is Yahweh, Yahweh. Um, when you talk about God, first, we have to make some, uh, some initial understandings clear that God is a three-part entity. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know that as the triune God in theology or the Trinity. Now, uh, being in three parts, the Old Testament, a majority of the Old Testament speaks on God the Father because Christ had not yet come to earth, right? Um, and the Holy Spirit uh, had, had moved over uh, the face of the deep, and we see some... Uh, some, some sporadic moments of the Spirit, but the majority of the time of the Old Testament, you are hearing about God the Father, right? So the head of the Trinity. And we see in Exodus chapter 3 a story uh, that I want to set up pretty well for you because it's very, very powerful. It's very impactful. And I don't want you to miss any of this. The more you read it, the more you get out of it. Have you ever found one of those stories in the Word where every time you read it, you just more fruit falls off the vine? It's just incredible. That's the whole chapter 3 of Exodus for me. And uh, to, set the, to set the stage, uh, most of you know 
the story of Moses. If you've ever seen the, uh, uh, what's the, the cartoon that was made, The Prince of Egypt? Uh, it tells some of the details. Well, Moses, as a baby, um, Pharaoh had put out an indictment of all firstborn children of the Jews uh, to take their lives. And Moses' mother takes him in a raft and sets him down the creek where Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him in the house of Pharaoh. Well, we see all sorts of favor there that his mother was even able to come raise him in the house of Pharaoh. His sister found favor. There's all sorts of things that we could preach on about Moses' life. But for the sake of time, I want to take you to a moment. It was his last moments in Egypt under the favor of Egypt. And he took the life of an Egyptian soldier. An Egyptian shoulder, uh, soldier was there uh, abusing one of the Jews. And Moses uh, murdered this soldier. And knowing that the law would be applied to him, he takes off into the wilderness where the Bible picks up in chapter 3 uh, of Exodus. And Moses is in what we know as the Midianite, the Midianite Desert. Okay, some, some texts say it a little bit differently, uh, but it's, it's, he's, in, he's in Midian. Uh, Midian is a place that is just rough to exist. It's mountains and it's sand and it's, uh, uh, it's just really a rough place. And the Midianite people uh, are tough people. And so for 40 years, I want you to see that Moses lived the life of luxury and this lavish lifestyle. But then there's a 40-year period he lives with the Midianites. And this time period, we have very little information. We know he takes a wife from the Midianites, uh, but we don't have a lot of information except where this picks up in chapter 3. And he is a shepherd now, and he's been a shepherd for a majority of these 40 years. Moses' life is very interesting. If you want to do a really cool study, break down the three 40-year periods of Moses' life. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian, and then 40 years in the wilderness with the children of Israel. Go, go study that. It's a very, very cool thing. So where we pick up today, Moses is still guilty of murder. Uh, he is still on the run from Egypt, and he has been uh, successfully hidden away from the armies of Egypt in Midian for the better part of 40 years. And this is where our story picks up today that while Moses is with the sheep out in the wilderness, uh, he comes across this uh, burning bush. And this is where our story picks up today. Exodus chapter 3. I'm only going to read uh, verse 13, 14, and 15 for the sake of time, and then we're going to kind of break this down. It says, Then Moses said to God, remember he's speaking to a burning bush, and I encourage you to go read the entire chapter of 3. It says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel to say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Um, let's just get this right off the bat. If you're ever in the wilderness and there's a tree on fire talking to you, listen. We all square there? Okay. <laughs> Moses is having somewhat of a pushback against this flaming tree that uh, earlier in chapter 3 says it was on fire, but it was not being consumed. Very interesting. Uh, we know now that it was the fire and the presence of God in this tree. 
and he's having a conversation. And in the conversation, God asked Moses to go back to Egypt where he's wanted, right? He's wanted by the Egyptian leadership because he murdered an Egyptian soldier. And God tells him through the bush, he says, not only do you go back, but I need you to go straight to Pharaoh when you go. Um, hard pass, right? He's wanted for murder, right? He pretty much put the entire house of Pharaoh on blast because he murdered, then he fled the country. And God says, I need you to go right back there. Can I tell you, I could stop and preach on that fact alone for a couple of weeks. And, and here's the point I want you to get there is a lot of times we struggle because we haven't gone back and made amends. And can I tell you, it's God's will for us to end things correctly, right? So God is sending Moses back to, uh, to where he's wanted and he's a criminal. And it's one thing to be wanted. When you've been on the, on the ham for 40 years, you've worked your way up the most wanted list, right? I mean, they've been trying to get this guy for 40 years. And God says, go back. And Moses begins to have this conversation with God, and it's in chapter 3 and even part of chapter 4, where he's given God all these excuses why I can't go back. I can't go back. And then he says, well, okay, if I do go back, what am I supposed to say to the Jewish people? God says, tell them that I'm, I'm, I'm setting them free and that I've come to end 400 years of captivity. They've been enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And God says, you tell them that I've come to set them free. And Moses says, wait, 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 wait. Who am I talking to? All I know you is this bush. I, I, I get that you're God, but how do I know what, what is actually sending me? Who is actually sending me? And this is where our text picks up because it's a very powerful and poignant part of the scripture. We, never, we don't see this before and we see it very seldom after. He says, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The I am that I am. When you break that down in the Hebrew, it says you tell them that I will be what they need me to be has sent you. And then it goes on later. He says, he says thus you shall say to the children of Israel that Yahweh has sent me to you. Yahweh has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall also say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. There's, there's three things that we can learn right off the bat from this story. Uh, the first and foremost, you can miss this if you don't. I mean, it's kind of a mind-blowing story that first that a man is just talking to God. But if we look at the picture of one man's about to lead millions of people out of captivity, they've been in captivity 400 years. He's going against the great Egyptian Pharaoh. I mean, there's all these huge pictures to see. But there's something hidden in this that I don't want you to miss that God really revealed to me this week. Is that God wants to be personal 
everything in this text could have been accomplished without God giving Moses his name. But Moses said, who should I say something? He could have said, you tell them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent you. And it had been fine. The Jews still would have known. He could have said, you tell them that I will be what I will be for them. What I've always been for them. You tell them that's who's coming. And that would have been sufficient. But we see this one blurb, I am Yahweh. And God has this moment to where we see his heart that he wants to be personal with Moses. Can I tell you, if you've missed that fact, you miss one of the most beautiful pictures in all the Bible. Because God wants to be on a first name basis with you. I want you to think about that. Uh, a few nights ago, uh, I'd walked the dog out and, um, and I've got to stand. We have a four and a half pound, five pound shih tzu, and I've got to watch him do his business outside or else an owl or something will snatch him. And, uh, and so I'm standing outside and I look up and the clouds parted and these stars were just beautiful. And I'm standing there watching these stars and this verse came to mind that God wanted to be personal enough that he gave us his name. And while I was out there, I just, I said to myself, do you want me to call you Yahweh? Like how, I, I, and I just felt this thing in my presence, just, just the mood shifted. It's like this energy shifted. And before I knew it, I was in the presence of God watching the stars. And then God said, this is why I told Moses to remind them of Abraham. And then I had this picture of Abraham being in his tent with his wife, weeping because they could not have children. Wendy and I struggled with infertility when we were first married. And God told Moses, or told Abraham rather, he said, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars in the heavens. And as I was standing there under the stars, I thought, how personal must that have been that when Abraham stepped out of his tent into the night, and he looked up and counted the stars, that God told him, he said, your descendants are going to outnumber what you see tonight. Can I tell you, he's a personal God. Then it says, tell, tell the Jewish people, tell the Israelites that not just the God of Abraham, but the God of Isaac has come. So it's not just enough. Watch this. It's not just enough that they know who I am in the night sky. It's that they know who I am when the sun first rises. Remember what happened on the mountain? When Abraham took Isaac, he had to wait for the sun to rise to make the sacrifice. And here is Isaac in complete faith to the father, laid on an altar to be sacrificed to God by his earthly father. And as his earthly father in obedience raises a knife to take Isaac's life, an angel of the Lord grabs his hand and the voice of God says, don't harm the boy. The next words out of God's mouth I've heard many a times in faith. 
I'll provide a sacrifice. And there was a ram, but it was in the morning that took place. So now he's saying, you tell the Israelites that not just the God of the stars, but the God of the early morning sun is coming. And then the story of Jacob. Well, when you hear this, this brings it all around. He said, it's not just the God of the stars of night. It's not just the God of the rising sun is coming. It's not just the God of the sacrifice that's coming. He says, just in case you wrestle with the fact that I'm God, remember that I wrestled with your granddaddy, Jacob, and I revealed to him who I was face to face. So even if you don't get the night star thing, even if you don't get the daytime God, if you wrestle with both of those, know I'm a God that's okay with your wrestling. And I can reveal myself to you even in your questions. Yahweh. And this one word, Yahweh, encapsulates that for the Israelites. So when Moses goes to the Israelites, and he says, they say, who has sent you? He says, Yahweh. You see, they had to whisper his name because his name was so holy. When they write his name, they don't even put the vowels in it because any other culture can't even speak the name Yahweh to the Israelites. That law, is, he is held so in such esteem that they just spell it without the vowels. Y-H-W-Y. And so in a lot of your Hebrew uh, books and uh, theological teachings, you see Yahweh written without any vowels. Why? So that it can't be breathed by man. Right? So... There's this ultimate picture that Moses, you're not going alone. You are going with a God that has been God from the very beginning with the Israelites. And you need to tell them that I've been God the whole time. 400 years is a long time to wait on God. 400 years is a long time to be slaves under that kind of tyranny. But he says, you tell them that I've been with them the whole time and what I have been for them in the past, I'm going to be with them now. So this picture of Yahweh, this picture of the story, this picture of the name goes really, really deep. So the first thing I wanted you to see is that God has a personal reason for the name Yahweh. The next thing I want you to see is that God is relational. He's relational. Right after uh, he gives the name I am to Moses, Moses has a nervous breakdown. Moses begins to give reasons why he's not the guy for the job. Well, I stutter 
It's in there. Go read it. And God says, that's okay. I can help your stutter. Moses says, no, you don't understand. I stutter real bad. God healed his stutter. He says, but wait, I've, I have such anxiety. I can't go alone. He goes, that's okay. You can take your cousin. He says, but wait a second. If I go in there empty-handed, he goes, pick that stick up. He goes, that stick that you thought was just helping you lead sheep is about to help you lead my sheep. He said, that same staff that you think is insignificant, when I put my touch on that staff, it'll never be the same. So God is teaching relationally about who he is through Moses' fear. Can I tell you, that as a parent speaks to me. Because uh, last night we were sitting, we had the campfire going. And my vision's not the best. It's, I'm just have to go get glasses, I think. I just turned 44, so that's a win to me. Go 44 years, I need them. But anyway, I'm sitting and I keep seeing something move in the dark. And I told him last night, I said, do y'all see that? Is something moving? You're just trying to scare us, Dad. I said, no, if I thought it was a threat, I'd be, I'd grab one of these bricks and head toward it. Like, I, like I'm, I don't think it's a problem. It might be a deer. It might be a fox or something. I don't know, but I keep seeing something move. And I, and I kept seeing something and seeing something. And then finally a deer breaks and goes across the whole field. And I was like, okay, it must have been a, beer, a, a deer the whole time. And Nora goes, no, it wasn't, Dad. You were just trying to scare me. And I said, Nora, I said, why would I want to scare you? I said, also understand this. Your dad is the most wild, crazy animal in these woods. <laughs> There's nothing in the Florida wild I'm afraid of with my bare hands. When it comes between like me and protecting my children, parents, am I telling the truth? What would you not charge into to protect your kids? Now, if we were in Alaska, we'd probably hesitate on a few things. <laughs> you know? There's some mountain lions and grizzlies. You may want to pump the brakes. <laughs> but in Florida, you're pretty good to charge after whatever. And I was, I was telling Nora last night, she came in the house. She goes, Dad, would you really attack a, a, a coyote for me? I said, coyote, if you even look in their direction, they run. She said, what about a, what about a, a black bear? I said, ah, oh, they're worthless. I said, I'd snatch the teeth out of his mouth before I knew what happened to him. <laughs> She said, well, what about a panther? What about a panther? She put a lot of emphasis on the panther. I said, sweetheart, I would tie his tail into a knot to a tree and I'd backhand him every morning to remind him who's boss. And she's kind of like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And here's what's interesting is what I saw in her taking this um, this bravado from her father, you see Moses begin to do in chapter four. He starts getting his swagger and who his daddy is. All right, all right, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go. And then God gives him a couple of these little cool parlor tricks. He says, hey, he says, when they start talking smack, he says, put that stick on the ground. What do you mean? He goes, try it and see what happens. Moses throws a stick on the ground and it turns into this giant serpent. He's like, I don't really like this trick. 
God says, okay, pick it up. And he picks it up and it turns back into the shepherd's nook. Right? And then here's the next thing. He goes, then if you really want to freak them out, you really want to freak them out, he goes, put your hand in your cloak. So Moses takes his hand and he puts it in his cloak. He goes, now pull it out. And he pulls it out and his hand is ate up with leprosy, which at the time was a death sentence. And Moses is like, uh, I don't really like this trick either. How do we stop this one? He goes, put your hand back in your cloak. So he puts his hand back in his cloak, pulls it out and his hand's whole. God said, these little things are, are not just to go around just tricking people. He said, it's so that they know that you don't roll alone. That your daddy is in your corner with you. And that just in case they forgot who your daddy was, you tell them that your daddy is Yahweh. See, there were a lot of other gods. So God had to be specific. Can I tell you, there are a lot of things that can consume your mind. So you have to be specific when fear comes in. You've got to remind yourself that a thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but sickness, plague, and disease won't come near your dwelling place. Why? Your father is Yahweh. He wants to be personal, right? He wants to... He wants to reveal himself to you in such a powerful way that it fits who you are. It's just like me and Nora. I wouldn't share the same stories with Maddie that I share with Nora, but I did when she was little. But now with Maddie, it's, hey, don't worry. Because as she gets older and her fears become more realistic, I tell her, listen, as you start stepping into your future, to the plans God has for your life, the same that Yahweh has been with me and he's directed me in every step. Don't worry about what college you're going to. God will direct your steps. He'll be with you when you make that decision. When you set your schedule in school and you're worried about it, I know that's more your mom than me because I didn't really care. (laughs) But God is big enough. He will not let you fail. He will hold you up. He's Yahweh. And he was showing Moses that I'm in the details. That I'm not just this big God. I can change your fingerprint with leprosy if I need to, to get the Pharaoh to pay attention to you. He says, you don't worry. You let me do the worrying. You just be obedient. You just walk in who your father is and you let me do the rest. The third thing I wanted to show you is this, is that God is always with us. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? He's just with us, man. He's with us. He never leaves us. I found something really cool this week. Really, really cool. I I found in my studying this uh, theological uh, teaching that I remember hearing a couple times before, but I never really studied it. It's called aseity. It's A-S-E-I-T-Y. A-S-E-I-T-Y, aseity. And it's the power of being, but it's also the origin of all things currently being. It is the substance of all life. And what's interesting about that 
is that study of God's sufficiency in keeping things animated and in suspension is spoken about in Acts 17, verse 28. It says, for in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Literally everything that we see around us is because of him. Right? Did you know that not another wave would hit the shore if God stopped being God? The sun would not come up. The moon would not rise. Because he, being Yahweh, the God who always has been, this can get your eyes crossed really fast in a deep thought. He has no origin story. He always has been. You see, because if you were created, that means that someone had to put matter together to create you. That means there has to be something given to sustain you. And God needs nothing to sustain him. He just is. And he always has been, right? So if we break this verse down, just for the sake of time, it says, in him we live, move, and have our being. Life, the origin, motion, the animation, and being, the continuous existence of everything is because of God. So in thinking about that, you think about just how frail we are as humans. They were made in God's image, but there are things that we need to be sustained. One of the biggest things is oxygen, right? You can go a while without water. You can go a while without food. You can't go a few minutes without oxygen. I'll never forget when Maddie was little. Um, we were walking out of Disney World, and I had her on my shoulders, and Gabriel was in the stroller. And Maddie put her hands under my chin and just leaned backwards. I was almost choked out by a two-year-old. And you realize just how frail we are. That a two-year-old almost put the kibosh on her father. I know you meant to do it. <laughs> but you start thinking about the frailty of life. But then the beauty in that frailty is that the oxygen and the breath in our lungs is sustained by Yahweh. But you don't have to worry about where your next breath comes from. You know why? Because he has guaranteed it in who he is. He just continues to give and continues to create and continues to, it's just a wonderful thing in who God is. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. But this week I found something that was truly spectacular. Because God wanted to know us so bad that he put his name on us in a way that I never imagined. I ran in uh, to this work by a doctor who is a uh, molecular geneticist. He studies DNA strands. And he pointed in his studies to Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, 
wait a second. If it's invisible, how is it clearly seen? It says, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, meaning the world has no excuse to say Yahweh doesn't exist. This doctor discovering DNA in the the dual helix of our DNA. This is mind-blowing stuff. He said that our DNA was created from four nucleotide-based pairs, adenine, guanine, thymine, and cytosine. But there are these microscopic bridges that connect those two helixes together. Have you ever seen the picture of a DNA? It's two strands that spin around, and there are these little bridgeways that connect them. And these bridges appear every 10 acids, then five acids, then six acids, then five acids. And again, 10 acids, five acids, six acids, five acids. So there's this repetition on every strand of DNA in the human body that repeats this number 10, 5, 6, 5, 10, 5, 6, 5, 10, 5, 6, 5, 10, 5. And this is trillions of times in each one of your bodies. What's interesting is that the Jews have always put numeric values on their letters. And starting in the book of Exodus, they stopped putting vowels in the name Yahweh because he was too holy to say the word. And so anytime they were to write Yahweh, in any of their ancient texts, in any of their, even their current books, they spell Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. And if you're to pull up the numeric value of those letters, it is 10, 5, 6, 5. Are you seeing this? God wrote Yahweh on your DNA billions upon trillions upon billions of times. And it's it's a picture. Watch this. It's a picture of him in heaven saying, Yahweh's my name. What's yours? Hey, You who are alone and dying in your sin, I'm your God. I can help you. The hidden things are clearly seen. I'm even written on the strands of your DNA. My name is Yahweh and I'm here to help you. I want to know you. As a matter of fact, I wanted to know you so bad and for so long that before DNA was ever created, I wrote my name on it. Just for the day that a scientist in 2001 would look through a microscope and there my name would explode in his heart. I'm everywhere you look. Does that blow anybody else's mind? So when he tells Moses, hey, my name's Yahweh. I'm not going to leave you. I'll take care of your weaknesses. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of those. 
And hey, by the way, since now we're together, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Because all I've wanted is to just us be together. Now we're together, I'll take care of the problems. The picture is this, is that since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, God knew Adam and Eve on a first name basis and he walked with them. Early in the morning and at sunset, he would just walk with them and talk with them. I told Maddie, I invited her outside the other night as I was looking at the stars. And I said, could it be, could it really be that God is screaming through the stars by saying, I'm the God of Abraham. He's screaming through the sunrise because he's the God of Isaac. He's screaming through the things that we're wrestling with. I'm here. I'm here. You're not alone. And then it's just like as a clear bell, it dawned on me. That's the greatest lie of the wicked one. That God doesn't exist and you are alone. Don't you believe that nonsense for a minute? His name is Yahweh. And he has signed his name a trillion times on your DNA. Amen. Stand up on your feet. I want to pray for you. What's in the name? For the next few weeks, we're going to be staring at the names and taking a good look. And not just the names, but the characteristics and the attributes of God. And um, I've learned a lot of new things studying this. And I, I pray that you uh, get sharpened by studying it. But at the end of the day, everything I've studied, even to the last week I'm teaching, it always comes back to God doing everything he can to get our attention. And then there's a devil trying to do everything he can to tie up our attention so that God doesn't get it. So my prayer is over the next four or five weeks that we just let God get our attention. And uh, I know we'll be blessed if we do that. Let me pray. Father, we love you. Uh, I want to thank you that, uh, God, that at times in my life I've doubted. Even in those times, you were written on my DNA. A signature from heaven. For Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. For the days that I ask the question, do you see me? Do you recognize what's going on? Do you see the pressure? Do you see the pain? Do you see the heartache? Do you see the frustration? Not only do you see it, you signed on for it. You literally became a friend to those who needed a friend. And so Lord, there, there, there are those that are here that they just need you to be their friend. They need you to be Yes, they're God, because we all need a God. We all need you to be that God-sized figure that can do only what you can do. But, Lord, I'll be honest, there's times that I just I just like the fact that I can walk outside and stare at the stars and 
say, hey, Yahweh, it's Josh. I just need a little extra touch today. And you're so faithful in that. I just want to say thanks. So Lord, in the same way that you say, hey world, it's Yahweh, help us to turn to you and say, Yahweh, it's us, we're here. We're here for you. We're here for everything you have for us. And I thank you, Lord, that what's hidden is obvious to those who are looking, that you're here and you're willing to be a blessing to us. Those who will chase you, your word says that you are a reward of those who diligently seek you. So help us to seek you today. Lord, I pray you'd bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. But whatever you bless us with, whatever you take us to, Lord, you don't just drop us off and leave us alone. No, you're there with us. You say you're the friend that sticks closer than even a brother, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for just being the God that is always more than enough. Would you do us a favor, Lord? Would you just put your hand over us and, uh, and just show us an overwhelming amount of your favor? That, Lord, whatever we touch, it'll be blessed and it'll multiply. I thank you, Lord, for healing your people. Whatever sicknesses are here, Lord, just touch those today. I thank you, Lord, for whatever needs may be here in this room, that you're Yahweh enough to meet those needs. Bring us back next week with more wisdom, more of your word, but Lord, also with a richer relationship with you than ever before. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.